The next big democratic attack against Donald Trump is here. You saw Russiagate, Russiagate 2, Ukrainian boogaloo, and now we have Russiagate 3, Trump's big trouble with little China. That's the new scandal being pushed by the Biden camp and by many journalists who are now trying to insinuate that Donald Trump is secretly working at the behest of China. Why? Because he owes a lot of money to them. But it's not just Trump. It's also the Republicans. I kid you not. I've got this very, very large Twitter thread from Andrew Bates, Joe Biden's rapid response director, and a viral thread from an author named Seth Abramson. This, this thread summarizes the major media investigation reporting on the Trump China scandal, a bribery scandal involving Trump's hunt for dirt on Joe Biden in China, his debts to the Chinese government, and his decision to ignore life-saving COVID-19 intel. Please retweet. And they did. As of around 6 p.m. yesterday, Eastern time, 18,292 retweets. I'd be willing to bet if I hit this refresh button, it's going to go up a little bit. Let's see how it plays out. But this is their big strategy. And the reason is fairly obvious. It's gone up about 500 retweets in that refresh. The reason is obvious. The American public does not trust China. Sentiment has been getting much more negative. Pew Research shows us this. And Donald Trump has spent the better part of a decade, actually the majority of it, ragging on China. So now the best thing they could do is look for some vague political connections or debts and make it seem like that proves the real scandal is actually China Gate. Yeah, because Ukraine Gate worked out so well for you following Russia Gate. They just don't know when to stop. I got to say, it's fairly obvious this is the route they're going to take because it's the only route they have taken. Instead of arguing against Trump's positions, it has been scandal after scandal. My biggest argument with what they've been doing is that all they do is talk about Trump and scandals. They don't tell me about sound environmental policy. They offer me the Green New Deal, which has got a bunch of weird social justice stuff in it. That's not even, that's kind of becoming less and less popular by the day because of the coronavirus pandemic. So now they're trying to argue that Trump was trusting of China. Take a look at this tweet from Andrew Bates. Trump repeatedly praised China's response to coronavirus in February. Politico, Trump owes tens of millions of dollars, uh, tens of millions to the Bank of China, and the loan is due soon. Now, look, I'm not going to fault Andrew Bates for trying to win an election, but come on, let's do some journalism. This is patently absurd. Donald Trump working with China. I'm sick and tired of the conspiracy theories, man. If you've got an argument to be made against Donald Trump and his policies, I want to hear it because I'm looking for a reason not to vote for the man. But if the only thing you can do is try and convince me of your failing conspiracy theories over and over again, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm not listening anymore. This is ridiculous. Donald Trump, the dude was ragging on China in 2010. He was going on. He, he was he was he wouldn't shut up about it. Now you want to try and try and tell me he's secretly working. Well, this dude has retweeted a ton of journalists. Here's one from who's who, who's this guy? Colin Khan. He's former former assistant to Obama. So, of course, he's going to say, you know, come out with something negative. The next time Trump breathes one word about Biden and China. Remember this. Trump is up to his eyeballs in debt to the Bank of China. Oh, here we go. But we even got some journalists jumping on saying, interesting, as the GOP bashes opponents ties to Beijing, Mitch McConnell's sister-in-law, Angela Chow, is a non-executive director of the Bank of China, which Trump owes tens of millions to do soon. We got him. We finally got Trump. That's right. No, uh, no, we, we, come on, man. This is the best you can offer up. 
Well, take a look at the news. Let's, let's go through actually what's going on with Trump's campaign and why this is their strategy. You see, Joe Biden recently came out with an ad attacking Donald Trump on his stance with China, saying he was weak. He rolled over. He led in 40,000 people. His travel ban didn't go too far enough, they say. Well, Joe Biden got fact checked for that, saying it was false. Let's go through the news. And I want to talk to you about where Donald Trump is at, because a lot of people right now, especially the New York Times, well, not only are they covering for Joe Biden, they're trying to make it claim, make, make the claim that the Republicans are worried they're going to lose because, you know, Donald Trump's polls are sinking. Let me tell you something. Donald Trump's polls have been trending upwards and Donald Trump has raised substantially more money than the Democrats. It's hard to know how the pandemic is going to play into this. And it is fair to say you got to you got to be on your toes, Trump and Trump supporters, because there are some bad polls. But are we going to take just a couple of polls from today and ignore all of the really good polls? You see, Gallup did, they did a, a poll of approval for the, for the Republicans and Democrats in Congress and Republicans for the first time in like 20 years flipped, surpassing the Democrats. So you got to take into all, all this context, but it is fair to say that for most people, they're only going to be thinking about the past week or month. So if these polls are coming out today, that's good reason for Donald Trump to be worried. As I've said over and over again, hubris will be your downfall. Let's read through some of this news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There's several ways you can give. You got PayPal, Bitcoin, physical address, but the best thing you can do, share this video. I know there's not a lot of people who want to hear what I have to say, and that's fine. They don't have to, but we can break some echo chambers because some people might say, okay, let me, let me, let me listen to what this guy's talking about. And I can be wrong, but at least they'll get access to a different point of view. More importantly, it helps bypass the restrictions YouTube puts on me. Now, I'll be fully honest, YouTube gives me much more benefits than the average YouTuber, but they prop up mainstream media and I will never get those benefits. Now, if you want to just get videos like this every day, mind your own business, hit the subscribe button, hit the, hit the like button and the notification bell, and hopefully you will get access. Now, you'll get recommended the videos. Now, we got the story from The Hill. China emerges as new flashpoint in 2020 campaign. Obviously, this has a lot to do with Joe Biden's new ads. They say ads released last week by a pro-Trump super PAC and the Biden campaign each cast the opponent as deferential to China a fight that's escalating amid the backdrop of a rising death toll from the coronavirus. The war of words is likely to get louder as November draws closer and as the number of COVID-19 cases and deaths increase. Quote, this might be one of the most front and center issues of the 2020 elections, said Jason Miller, who served as a Trump campaign spokesman in 2016. In many ways, Joe Biden will have the same issues that Hillary Clinton had which is that President Trump excels when he's running against the foreign policy failures of the professionals in both parties. Both Trump and Biden have seen uh, are seen as vulnerable on China. I do not agree. And many other people in media don't agree that Trump is vulnerable, or at least Trump is not nearly as vulnerable as China. Early on in the coronavirus pandemic, Joe Biden was criticizing Donald Trump's actions, notably his travel ban calling Trump xenophobic. Well, then on April 3rd, I believe it was April 3rd, Joe Biden came out and said, you know what? No, I actually support Donald Trump's ban on China. And this is where he probably started realizing the American people are not happy with China. Take a look at this data from Pew, April 21st. The U.S. views of China increasingly negative amid coronavirus outbreak. Republicans more negative than Democrats towards China, though unfavorable ratings have climbed among both parties. This is obvious to anybody who's been paying attention, especially the Democrats. They will have no choice but to adopt this. Now, 
we've started seeing the seeds laying out in the press. It's not just going to be Joe Biden's guy coming out and saying, hey, I think Trump's colluding. He needs something to start the attack with. I'm not one for major conspiracy theories, right? But I do think many people in media are sympathetic to the Democratic Party. I think that's fairly obvious. Take a look at how the New York Times defended Joe Biden when the allegations against him popped up recently. They did. Take a look at this story. Trump attack on Biden highlights president's own past dealings with China just two hours ago. This is one of the stories. I believe this was a story posted by uh, by Joe Biden's um, response director. Now, of course, they're trying to highlight Trump's past dealings. This is not to make the accusation and perhaps not necessarily intentional on the part of the journalist, but it does still work as a seed planted to create the idea. Maybe Donald Trump owes money to China and is working with them. And that's going to be the big scandal. They can't claim that Trump is soft on China. They tried. But come on, who's going to buy that? What if it's all an act? What if Trump is really working for for <laughs> Xi Jinping? So here's this thread, right? And you've got this this beautiful image. Of course, you may have noticed I used for the thumbnail. It's beautiful of Donald Trump with what looks like some skyscrapers behind him. This thread is top tier, unhinged, connect the dots crime web. Listen, man, if you take a bunch of random stories and frame them out, you can make anything seem like anything. And I'll call BS on myself even. A lot of people like to say that, you know, I do a really good job of being unbiased and showing all these sources. Listen, I want to tell you, when I see my stories and try and break them down and all the sources I show you in this, even in this video, I can't see literally every single story. I'm giving you opinion based on the news that I read. Now, Seth is doing the same thing, and I can respect that he's doing the same thing, but I can't respect the far-reaching implications of what he's trying to pull off. My stance is usually tempered, like, Well, you need hard evidence and more than just like Trump did this, then did that. But this is certainly what he's going for. The Trump China scandal. I wouldn't call it a scandal as a bunch of stories you can go through. But then he also does something that's, I mean, much more absurd than anything I would ever do. Making insinuations using past scandals. The Trump Ukraine scandal was another bribery scandal. Trump receiving illegal foreign donations and false statements. You see, this is how they are building up a conspiracy theory against Trump off of past conspiracy theories, which have been for the most part debunked. I know the media likes to say Trump pushed a debunked theory when it's not really, or or I'm sorry, they they try to say that they, they debunked Trump's theory when they actually didn't. In this regard, this stuff is debunked. Okay. Now you can make your you can you can hold your own opinion about whether or not you think Trump was doing the right thing or not, but the whole Ukraine gate thing fell apart. And you wonder why the Democrats walked away from it. Russia gate fell apart. You cannot use Russia gate for Ukraine gate, which they did, and it fell apart. It doesn't make sense. So now they're trying to use the same the same insinuations because people believe these things to be true without knowing what's really going on. And then here we go a massive thread. Each of these tweets having over 1,000 retweets with the parent thread having nearly 20,000 retweets where he tries to paint a picture about Trump actually trying to work for or actually having to work for China. It's not just these two stories. This is the story that laid the first seed or that planted the first seed. Trump owed tens of millions to Bank of China. The president's financial dealing to the state-owned bank complicate his attacks on Biden. I believe it is fair for Politico to bring up that Donald Trump owes money to the banks of China. And I believe it's fair to try and speculate and figure out what's going on. 
I don't believe it's fair for Democrats, the actual Biden campaign, to jump on this to make claims or try to insinuate to people that Trump is soft on China because he's secretly working under them because he owes them money. In fact, I could make the exact opposite argument, which I think is meritless. You could say Trump only ran for office so that he could wipe the debt clean because once he's president, they can't come after him. No, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to make any assumptions about what Trump wants to do or what he's doing. We can take a look at what he's done. But of course, I'm not I'm not going to get all bent out of shape. But let's, let's, let's be real, man. This is politics. This is the game that's played. You know, you're going to see Republicans launch attacks against Democrats, Democrats against Trump. My only problem with this is I prefer a policy argument. Now, you've got Joe Biden and Trump has done character attacks against him. They've been pretty spicy memes. I'll tell you what. If you if you want to launch character attacks against Biden, fine. That's not convincing me. If you want to if you want to try and run character attacks against Trump, that's not convincing me either. The problem is Trump is the president. He is doing things. We have seen results. I can see those results. Some of them I'm not happy with foreign policy wise. Some of them I think are fantastic. Unemployment, the economy, etc. I think he's done a fairly decent job. I, I, I lean positive on his job towards the coronavirus. I think it's absurd to think anyone could have handled it better. We just don't know. And if you hate the president, you'd probably assume the worst. I'm ambivalent. I look at the guy and I'm like, yeah, I, I think he's trying to do. I mean, he, he acted early. Nancy Pelosi's certainly lying. She was out telling people, you know, to go out on the 24th. That being said, I can see the example that is Donald Trump and lean towards, while I certainly don't like his foreign policy, I understand he has some net positives behind him that I really do like, notably the economy. When I look to Joe Biden, he's doing literally nothing. And there's no argument being made for him. The Democrats just go scandal, 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 and that's their strategy now. Okay, maybe this will work on some people. That's fine. Far be it for me to claim I'm like a normal person, but I'll tell you what, it's not going to work on me. My assumption is that this would actually fail. Take a look at this. Biden launched this ad, right? Factcheck.org says Biden's misleading ad about sending experts to China. The ad was entirely misleading. They actually showed a clip from Biden and then went back in time to make it seem like he was before Trump. Here's what they say. Factcheck.org says an ad for Joe Biden's campaign hammers President Donald Trump for failing to send U.S. health experts to China to investigate the novel coronavirus. But the ad fails to mention that the administration tried several times soon after the outbreak, although without success. And an international team with two U.S. members was admitted in mid-February. The narrator of the ad called unprepared says Biden told Trump he should assist on having American health experts on the ground in China. It then plays an excerpt from the presidential Democratic debate on February 25th in Charleston, in which Biden says, I would be on the phone with China and making it clear we are going to need to be in your country. You have to be open. You have to be clear. We have to know what's going on. The day after the debate, during a CNN town hall, Biden said, what I would do were I president now, I would not be taking China's word for it. I would insist that China allow our scientists in to make a hard determination of how it started, where it's from, how far along it is, because that is not happening now. This is not in the ad. Later in the ad, the narrator says Trump never got a CDC team on the ground in China. That is true. But the ad doesn't mention that in mid-February, before the former vice president's remarks in the debate, two Americans were part of a World Health Organization team that visited China, including Wuhan, where the pandemic broke out late last year. The 25-member team, which visited China for nine days from February 16 to the 24th, included one official from the U.S. CDC and another from the National Institutes for Health. 
The team issued a 40-page report on February 28th, about two weeks before the WHO declared the outbreak pandemic. Joe Biden lied, mischaracterized. The whole, the whole ad was trash. And as other commentators have pointed out, it seemed like it came out of the 80s. Meanwhile, Trump goes after Biden's character. Fine. Joe Biden was targeting Trump falsely on policy. So I'll give them this. They tried targeting Trump on his stance towards China. I can respect that, but it was fake and it falls apart for me and it doesn't hold itself. It can't be held up to scrutiny. Once you look at it, you realize the ad is completely bunk. Donald Trump has been tough on China. It's an absurd argument to make. Now, the question is moving forward outside of the scandals, what are the chances the Democrats actually have as of right now to win this race? Based on my personal opinions, there is no way Joe Biden is going to be able to beat Donald Trump. That to me sounds insane. I mean, the dude can't speak. You can take a look at the things Donald Trump said the other day with the, you know, the disinfectant and you'd have a whole argument about it. That gaffe from the president, whether you consider it one, I know it's a contentious debate, is irrelevant. It's an off the cuff comment Trump tends to make, but Joe Biden struggles to form sentences. I'd love to see Donald Trump stand up to stand next to Joe Biden. Now, here's Here's the important, uh, uh, the important issue, though. It might not happen. Vogue writes, where is Joe Biden? According to some strategists, letting Trump beat himself. As the New York Times writes, Joe Biden is in his basement, essentially <laughs> barely campaigning. They're claiming it's for his benefit, and they're right. The best thing the Democrats can do is keep Joe Biden away from the public eye. This pandemic has been a gift to Joe Biden, and even still he struggles to speak on camera. This is what you get. But I see this story from from the New York Times, and it makes me wonder. It's from Maggie Haberman. Nervous Republicans see Trump sinking and taking Senate with him. The election is still six months away, but a rash of ominous new polls and the president's erratic briefings have the GOP worried about a Democratic takeover. I don't buy it. This is a decent argument from Maggie Haberman. She talks about current polls and fundraising the Democrats are doing well. She says Democrats raised substantially more money than Republicans did in the first quarter in the most pivotal congressional races, according to recent campaign finance reports. And while Mr. Trump is well ahead in money compared with the presumptive Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, Democratic donors are only beginning to focus on the general election and several super PACs plan to spend heavily on behalf of him and the party. I believe Maggie Haberman is hyper-focused on the negative of Trump, and she's ignoring the big picture. The big picture is that Trump tends to poll upwards. Okay, so that's the wrong one. Let me see if I have the right poll pulled up. Anyway, you get the point. When Trump is doing his briefings, he's trending upwards. When they shut his briefings down in the press, he goes back down. She says Trump's erratic briefings or whatever are bad for him, but they've been good for him. She also mentions that Democrats are just finally getting into focus, but that's a pointless argument. Trump's donors have been consistently in focus. And if we want to argue that the big donors haven't stepped up yet because the election's just getting started, then Donald Trump stands to make substantially more money. As it stands right now, Donald Trump is crushing Joe Biden. The New York Times also reports Joe Biden starts general election nearly $187 million behind Trump. New fundraising figures show the depth of the financial hole in which Mr. Biden finds himself against a president and Republican party that have built up a huge war chest. You can't deny it. Even if you look at the hard numbers, Joe Biden raised a lot less than Donald Trump did. They say this, the good news for Democrats is that March was Mr. Biden's best fundraising month of the campaign by far, raising 46.7 million. 
The bad news? His pace slowed markedly in the second half as the pandemic gripped the nation and froze the economy. On Act Blue, Biden raised 27.3 million in the first 15 days, but only 8.5 in the final 16. Donald Trump, however, uh, Mr. Trump and his shared committees with the RNC raised 63 million in March and entered April with a combined $244 million in cash on, uh, in cash on hand. Mr. Biden and the DNC had 57.2. Trump also raised more money than Joe Biden. So I think it's silly to argue that, you know, if you can look at the, these, these singular polls and claim that Democrats are starting to ramp it up, here's what I think is happening. People like Maggie Haberman will see there'll be 15 news stories that come out. Five of them will say Trump bad. 10 will say Trump, Trump good. She takes those five and she writes about them and she expands the articles. Now, that means that one third of the stories about Trump are bad, but she's focused on it as if it is the only truth. If you look at the full picture, you can say Trump's not that bad. He tends to be doing good, which is why when I look at aggregate polling, I will say he trends upwards. Yes, recent polls have Trump dipping down a little bit and then coming up a little bit. But overall, over the past several years, it has been going up. To argue that because some polls right now are bad for Republicans in general, that means that they're going to lose, I think is ridiculous. And I think the Democrats and the Republicans know this. Right now, you've got this article where she's arguing that nervous Republicans are concerned. Okay, maybe it's fair, but maybe it's it's temporary. Maybe it's hyper-focused. Maybe right now they're like, oh man, we better turn things around. But maybe they're still confident they got this. I don't necessarily know what you know, she's thinking or what she's watching in terms of the news. But I think what she's doing is the same thing you see from people like Seth Abramson. So let's go back to the original point. We'll, we'll wrap this one up. I'll show you all these tweets. If you only ever saw these specific stories, you can paint a picture in someone's head that Trump actually is working with or for China. But when you take each individual story and put it in the greater context, you will see that for any story that shows Trump might have business dealings with China, you will see Trump starting a trade war with China, Trump risking hot war with China or in a cold war with China. The shocking thing to me is that right now we are seeing military action. Trump sent warships into the South China Sea. This is this is happening. Concerns in the mainstream press that we are entering a new cold war with China. But if you're not paying attention to foreign policy, what do you see? If you only look at anti-Trump stories and you believe the politicians, you will think this. I understand why you would. You've got Joe Biden's rapid response guy trying to claim it. You've got Joe Biden's people trying to run ads claiming they're stronger on Donald Trump. But it really just does not seem to be the case. Now, as for Congress, that I'm not so sure about. So let's be fair here. When I look at Chuck Schumer, uh, we'll, we'll start with the Senate. Looking at Chuck Schumer's favorability. He's 29% favorable. My understanding, these are national polls, at least the, the, the ones that I looked at. 29% favorable. It's very bad. But Mitch McConnell has 27.3% favorable. I don't know if these polls will translate necessarily into victory or defeat, especially when you consider that California and New York are very, very large, but don't have as much power when it comes to you know, the, the greater country. And more importantly, whether or not the people of, say, Kentucky or New York are going to be impacted by national polling. California and New York are very large. Naturally, they don't like McConnell. His approval, his, his favorability will be low. It's hard to know exactly what to expect. McConnell needs to win and in, in his state and Schumer needs to win in his state. So national polls don't really matter. And with this being with, with this, you know, being the case, it's hard to predict who's going to come out ahead. 
Now, I know in 2018, I, I was like, I think all these cultural issues are going to result in Republicans sweeping. And I was wrong, perhaps a little naive. When you look at the districts where the Democrats actually won in 2018, they campaigned on kitchen table issues, something that you know many of us already know about. Well, what have they been doing since then? Here's why I'm right now still bullish on a Republican victory, but I'm going to not go as far as say I think they're going to win just yet. I mean, we've got six months until we see what happens. But when you take a look at what these, what these Democrats did, they got elected and then immediately went for the scandal. They went for Ukra- uh, Russiagate 2, Ukrainian boogaloo. The impeachment failed. Some would argue, and I'm sure many would believe, that because of this, Donald Trump was delayed in responding to the coronavirus. Or more importantly, you could look at Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and the other Democrats and say, why were they focused on impeachment when they should have been focused on our security and this pandemic? They weren't, and now we are in serious trouble. In fact, California's saying they may, they may have to be locked down for two years until there's a vaccine. So it doesn't reflect well on them either. But I can't tell you, you know, exactly what will happen. But I, but I can say in my gut feeling, the voters in these districts are going to look at what they did. They're going to say, I chose you and you went the scandal route. You didn't get me what you promised. And perhaps it's time to try something different. As Gallup shows us in a new poll, Republicans for the first time in nearly 20 years have surpassed Democrats in terms of approval. There was a, there was a slight blip here and a slight blip here, but consistently the Democrats are above the Republicans. Republicans jumped ahead for the first time since around 2003. Perhaps because in February, after these Democrats got elected and we moved into the impeachment cycle in these districts, these people said, what have I done? That's the big question people have asked me. They say, when you vote for a Democrat, it's not about their policies. It's about what they will give their party. And that was a really good point. And it made me kind of walk away, as it were, with how they've handled, you know, the, the, the Democratic primary, Tulsi Gabbard, Bernie Sanders. I don't want to be involved anymore. It wasn't just the presidential race. But looking at this, if I voted for one of these moderate Democrats, is that what they're going to do? They're going to accuse Trump of working for China. That's a waste of my and your time. If you're not going to argue policy for me, then I'm not going to vote for you. That's just me, though. I don't represent everybody. I'm that, that this is why I'm a milquetoast fence sitter. I really need to know the issues. The average person probably just votes for on tribal lines. But as an as a moderate independent type person, you've got to convince me to support your team. Otherwise, you're going to lose. Telling me that Trump is working for China is not it. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Stick around. The next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel and I will see you all then. Over the past several weeks, there has been a Joe Biden controversy surrounding an allegation made against him by a woman named Tara Reid. The media wouldn't touch it. And when the New York Times finally did, not only did they defend Joe Biden, insinuate this woman would be arrested for filing a false police report, they even went on to drag Donald Trump, who had nothing to do with the story about Joe Biden. One of the women from the story then went on PBS and said, well, there's no real pattern of abuse from Joe Biden, even though there's a website dedicated to the abuse from Joe Biden. It's called JoeBiden.info and Facebook actually banned it. I tried sending it. So you can't do it. Yeah, you can't. They don't want anybody to know that there is a pattern of abuse from Joe Biden. See, he's a creepy old man. But my friends, a conspiracy is afoot. Yes, indeed. You see, The episode of Larry King Live from August 11, 1993 has been removed from the Google Play Store. Now it's possible it was never there to begin with. I'm not entirely sure. But the story is being picked up. You see, The Intercept, Ryan Grimm says, new evidence supporting credibility of Tara Reid's allegation against Joe Biden emerges. 
And shortly after the publication of this piece, somebody located the actual video from Larry King Live. Boom, we got it in it. You can hear a woman saying that my, uh, you know, my uh, daughter or whatever left a senator's, a prominent senator's office, but did not want to go to the press about it. Now, according to one of the original reporters who interviewed Tara Reid about Joe Biden, she says, Tara Reid told me this is her mother's voice. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Joe Biden, we got him. Just kidding. Uh, It is evidence against Joe Biden. It doesn't uh, prove anything. It could be that, you know, this woman made up the claim against Biden recently because, you know, she she, she was a Bernie supporter. I'm not going to make any insinuations or accusations against her. All I know is here's what she said. Joe Biden, you know, assaulted her. And she said afterwards she tried complaining. She ended up basically losing her job because of it. She was like demoted and then eventually ended up leaving because she was being mistreated. Then we we get this woman who calls into CNN's Larry King Live saying, you know, my daughter works for a very prominent uh, senator. Now, here's the thing. Ryan Grimm has corroborated that the phone call from the show, he says San Luis Obispo, and they've corroborated, boom, Tara Reid's mother lived in San Luis Obispo. Tara Reid says it's her mother. We got him. Corroborating evidence. I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but here's, let me, let me show you this. This is where things get crazy. Take a look over at the Google Play Store. You will see in front of you a bunch of episodes of Larry King Live. August 9th, 1993. August 10th. August 12th. Now, why would there be no August 11th episode? I honestly don't know. In fact, it says right now the show is unavailable. I don't know what that means. Some people posted saying that it was removed. And many people are asking, do you have proof the episode was there to begin with? Now, it's possible that once the allegations came out, CNN went in and took this episode down. But I'll tell you what, as of right now, we know for a fact that the New York Times tried defending Joe Biden. CNN, the episode, which is now public, is gone. And let me show you something. I pulled up a calendar from August 1993. And what can we see? August 11th was a Wednesday that makes no sense. Why would that episode be gone? Now, to be fair, I went back throughout the, that year, that, that's 1993, to see if any other episodes had been removed. And lo and behold, yes, there have been some other episodes removed. And typically the ones I saw removed, actually the only ones I did see removed, were from Mondays. So it seems like Larry King would take extended weekends. I didn't see, uh, and, and look, you might want to go through all the other years and I maybe missed something. But the only week where it seems like something is just removed from the middle of the week is the August 11th episode. Now, here's the thing. I don't know why the Monday episodes would be missing. Like I said, I'm assuming it's a, it's a long weekend, but the August 11th episode exists. We have video footage of it. So why would it be missing from Larry King live on Google Play? I don't know. And why would the show currently be unavailable? I have no idea. That's why I'm saying a conspiracy is afoot. Now, take, take a look at this. This, I believe, is from uh, the, the woman. This is from Holly Otterbein. She's the one who, I believe, broke the story about Tara Reid. The story says, new evidence surfaces in Tara Reid allegation against Biden. A 1993 video appears to show her mother calling Larry, the, the Larry King show to discuss a claim against a prominent senator. This is what's surprising to me. Many media outlets are working overtime to protect Joe Biden. It's very creepy. In fact, check this out. From PBS NewsHour on April, April 17th. PBS NewsHour finally locates Tara Reid's story. They say on Friday night, more than three weeks after Tara Reid shared her allegation that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her on Capitol Hill 93, the PBS NewsHour arrived on story by interviewing one of the authors on a belated New York Times piece on Reid. 
Lisa Lehrer couldn't spin away fast enough from any comparison with the un unsubstantiated charges against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Let's break this down. In this, she says there is no real pattern abuse of dot, 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 from Joe Biden in terms of sexual assault. And that's something you typically look for. Oh, that sounds so reasonable, media. You see, we don't take these claims seriously because, look, it's one lady. There's no evidence, even though we have apparently now her mother calling into CNN. Take a look at Brett Kavanaugh. Come on. We know how the game is played. Brett Kavanaugh was already vetted. He was a federal uh, he was a federal judge. OK, they had to do a background check on him already. They found nothing. No patterns of abuse. It was a Boy Scout. But all of a sudden, some woman claims 30 years ago, he threw me out of bed and then they rolled around and then she ran away. And no one could corroborate this. But all of a sudden, the story was picked up that day. Boom, there it is. We got the letter. We got the, oh, no, he did this to me. The Democrats were like, we must take all accusations seriously, standing up on fake principles. Then all of a sudden, we got a wave of fake allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm not making that up. I'm not being hyperbolic. They were retracted. A man called and said, oh, you assaulted somebody on a boat. And then later apologized for it. We had that one woman who went on MSNBC and then started changing her story and said, well, actually, mm, I don't know about that. Several of the claims against Kavanaugh were immediately retracted. But, but, but outside of that, if you want to argue that there was no pattern of, of, of behavior against Joe Biden, you are lying. We have videos of Joe Biden doing these things. So, OK, OK, I really should read you this story to give you all the full details in, uh, uh, in greater context. So let's read from The Intercept. Now, I'm going to I'm going to point this out, too. The Intercept, I love you guys, man. I, I think you do a good job sometimes. And the reason I say sometimes is because you had so, you have this guy who's got Trump derangement syndrome who discredits everything you do. All right. When I see somebody, he writes a story saying Donald, the other day he wrote a story, Donald Trump suggests tanning and injecting bleach to fight coronavirus. No, he didn't. No, he absolutely did not. You can call the dude daft. You can say he asked a dumb question, but he asked a question and it really seemed like Trump, if I was going to be honest, and like, what was he doing the other day when he asked this? Sounded like he wasn't really paying attention. That's about it. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And trying to you're just spitballing. They try and claim, you know, okay, so, so I'll put it this way. If you want to criticize a president, man, again, I don't care. But don't make up things. He never said, go tanning and inject bleach, you, you lunatics. So now we get the story from Ryan Grimm and I'm like, mm, sorry, buddy. You guys hate Donald Trump. You love Bernie Sanders. Why should I, why should I believe you? This is your own fault. Do you, do, 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 do you honestly believe the allegations against Joe Biden? I got to be honest. At first, I didn't. I absolutely did. I don't care for 30 year old allegations. Now with this CNN corroboration, I'm actually leaning towards, you know what? Sounds about right. I mean, Joe Biden touches women in creepy ways and kids. And so when I heard this, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think it's, it's possible. I mean, you got this guy's got a pattern of behavior, but it is politically expedient. Now we have this clip. Now we have this clip removed. Let me read the story. Ryan Grimm writes, and, and I also clarify, Ryan Grimm does a good job. He's very different from the guy with TDS. A new piece of evidence has emerged buttressing the credibility of Tara Reid's claim that she told her mother about allegations of sexual harassment and assault related to her former boss, then Senator Joe Biden. Biden, through a spokesperson, has denied the allegations. Reid has claimed to various media outlets, including The Intercept, that she told her mother, a close friend, and her brother about both the harassment and to varying degrees of detail the assault at the time. Her brother, Colin Moulton, and her friend, who asked to remain anonymous, both confirmed that they heard about the allegations from Reid at the time. 
Reed's mother died in 2016, but both her brother and friend also confirmed Reed had told her mother and that her mother, a longtime feminist and activist, urged her to go to the police. In interviews with The Intercept, Reed also mentioned that her mother has made a had made a phone call to Larry King Live on CNN, during which she made reference to her daughter's experience on Capitol Hill. Reed told The Intercept that her mother called in asking for advice after Reed, then in her 20s, left Biden's office. I remember it being an anonymous call and her saying my daughter was sexually harassed and retaliated against and fired. Where can she go for help? I was mortified, Reed told me. Reed couldn't remember the date or year of the phone call, and King didn't include the names of callers on his show. I was unable to find the call, but mentioned it in an interview with Katie Halper, the podcast host who first aired Reed's allegation. After the podcast aired, a listener managed to find the call and sent it to The Intercept. Boom. On August 11th, 1993, King aired a program titled Washington, the cruelest city on earth. Toward the end of the program, he introduces a caller dialing in from San Luis Obispo, California. Congressional records list August 1993 as Reed's last month of employment with Biden's Senate office. And according to property records, Reed's mother, Janet Altimus, was living in San Luis Obispo County. Here's the transcript of the beginning of the call. That is some heavy corroboration. Tara Reed says, that is my mom. August was the last month of her appointment, and her mom lived in San Luis Obispo. Sounds to me like Tara Reed is telling the truth. Now, I will entertain the other side, because think about it this way. Let, let's say that what really happened is Joe Biden, you know, look, she mentioned her mom was a feminist. All right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate, so don't just chill out and stop getting mad at me for a minute, feminist. Let's say that this woman was demanding Joe Biden give her a salary increase and was screaming at him. And he was like, get out of, get out of my office. I'm not giving you a salary increase. And then she was like, mm, this is not fair. I deserve more. Went to her mom and complained and said, it's not fair. They're holding me back. They're bigots, blah, 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 whatever. And so the mom called in to CNN and made no mention of sexual, sexual assault. That's possible too. I don't know exactly what Joe Biden did, but the reason I bring that up is just to play devil's advocate, because I think it's fair to entertain all possibilities. In reality, what are we, what are we looking at? Joe Biden has a real pattern of, of this behavior. There are videos. There's a website. You can see him doing this. He had to apologize for it. Brett Kavanaugh, nothing. The dude is a Boy Scout. You can disagree on his policy. And I, and I disagree with some of, the, some of his rulings on the Fourth Amendment stuff having to do with digital technology. I'm not, uh, not going to dig up, dredge up all that, you know, Brett Kavanaugh stuff. Just to point out the double standard. This dude was a Boy Scout and they tried to destroy his life. Joe Biden is now going to is trying to be the president of the United States. And they're saying, mm. you know what they said during Kavanaugh? They said, what if, you know, they said it's a job interview. OK, we're not going to put him in prison for it. But shouldn't we know about someone's behavior if they want a job? Right. That's the game they play. Meanwhile, Joe Biden wants the most powerful job in the world. And he's got a history of doing this. And now we've got corroboration. Check this out. King says, San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. And the caller says, yes, hello. I'm wondering what a staffer would do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press. And she chose not to do it out of respect for him. King says, in other words, she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. Caller says that's true. Now, here, here's why I'm, I'm inclined to believe Tara Reid uh, in terms of the assault allegation and not something like I wanted a job or I wanted more money. 
if someone wasn't going to give you money, what are you going to complain about? How would you go to the press? You go to the press and say, I demanded a promotion. He wouldn't give it to me. Sounds like what this caller is saying very well may be Tara Reid's mom. I mean, we've got very a decent amount of corroborating evidence. It sounds like this was a serious violation of some kind of workplace rules or ethics. And that's why you would go to the press. This senator did this thing to me. So that's why, you know, I'm going to let's 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 read a little bit more. Ryan says King's panel of guests offered no suggestions. And instead, the conversation veered into a discussion of whether any of the men on set would leak damaging personal information about a rival to the press. Rich McHugh covers this story uh, and then links to Ryan Grimm. Reed, after uh, being read the transcript of the call, said that it gelled with her memory of it. And after the video was surfaced, confirmed it is her mother's voice in the call. She said, oh, I have not heard my mom's voice in a while, she said. There are several notable things at the emergence of the call. On one hand, the caller does not specifically mention sexual harassment or retaliation, as Reed had recalled. On the other hand, the reference to being unable to get through with her problems aligns with Reed's claim that she complained to superiors in Biden's office and got nowhere. And the reference to going to the press makes clear that the caller is talking about more than just generic problems at the office. The problems she makes clear would damage the senator if exposed. And that's exactly what I was saying. So I'll, I'll address Reed's false, you know, her, her, her incorrect memory. Do, do we want to give her the benefit of the doubt? She claimed that her mother called in and said she was sexually harassed, etc. That That didn't happen. I don't know. I don't I don't know how you, you, you get past this one. Um, it's been almost, what, 30 years. So it's possible that she just doesn't remember exactly what was said. And she got the gist of it right. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go with Tara Reid on this one. And I'll admit, like, I wasn't I wasn't big on believing her. But when all this started, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Bernie Sanders supporter accuses Joe Biden, right? Well, color me wrong. She's got corroborating evidence and it sounds legit. They say, uh, he, Ryan goes on to say, Reed's inability to remember the exact date of the alleged assault or its precise location or the precise location of the office where she picked up the form needed to file a complaint has been used by skeptics to suggest the allegation is fabricated. What the emergence of the call shows is that even if Reed's memory is off on timing or details, the substance of her claims in this case that her mother called Larry King and discussed her situation can still be true. It is true. It is true. The call also, the call also calls into question the credibility of Biden's denial. Reed said that she filed a complaint about Biden's harassment with Marion Baker, effectively the office manager in the Biden office. The Biden campaign released a statement from Baker, which said that neither Reed nor any other employee had ever complained about improper behavior. Quote, in all my years working for Senator Biden, I never once witnessed or heard of or received any reports of inappropriate conduct, period. Not from Mrs. Reed, not from anyone, Baker said in the campaign statement. These clearly false allegations are in complete contradiction to both the inner workings of our Senate office and to the man I know and worked so closely with for almost two decades. Then how is it if there was no complaint filed that her mom was able to call CNN? She had the foresight to predict the future. Spare me. For Baker's statement to be true, Reed would have had to have lied to her friend, brother, and mother about having complained to Biden's office. There is no obvious reason Reed would make up a story to those closest to her about the Senate office not taking Biden's harassment seriously, while at the same time resisting pressure to go to the press. Not only that, but in, in the New York Times story, they even corroborated as much as they were trying to defend Biden, that interns in the office said abruptly, Tara Reed was no longer supervising them. I think we got him, boys. I think Joe Biden is guilty. Now, hold on. I am not a big fan of the court of public opinion. I do not think we're going to, uh, you know, Joe Biden is going to have his life destroyed over all of this. 
But here's the point I'll make. While typically I am no fan of 27-year-old allegations, and uh, same thing they did to Kavanaugh, I, I'd back away and say, come on, man, we can't play these games, right? It's like you're, you're digging as far back as possible to try and get some dirt on a guy. Nah, I, it's ridiculous. Well, fortunately for these people, these are the rules they decided upon. You want this to be. You advocated for these rules. You want us to dig into your past. You told us to do it. You did it to a bunch of celebrities. They found some race car driver's dad who's had the N-word on a radio show, so they pulled a sponsor from the kid. Absolutely absurd. You dug up Brett Kavanaugh, and I said, it's a bad idea, don't do it, that's not fair. I say the same thing about Joe Biden right now, but unfortunately for you, we are applying your standard to you. It's what you asked for, it's what you will get. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to dig up really, really old allegations, but I'll tell you what, you can't pull this on Brett Kavanaugh and then expect people not to pull it on you. It's, it's just, it, I, I, you know what, I, I, and I'll say this too, I really do think this should be quashed because I don't want to give in to these people. They said, we're going to dig up these allegations on Brett Kavanaugh. I say no dice. Then these things come up with Joe Biden. Now nah, I'm, 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 I'm the last person that's going to come and be like, aha, now we're going to use these rules against you. No way, dude, shut it down, shut it down. Because this is what they want. Joe Biden is the sacrificial lamb. They will throw him out to the wolves. And then sure enough, a year later, they will dig into the past of everyone and say, hey, we played ball on Joe Biden. These are the new rules and you agreed to it. No, I don't like it. 30-year-old allegations, get rid of it. I'll tell you what, though. The big story here for me, CNN, the New York Times, and the media consistently covering for Joe Biden. Now, I must, be, I must clarify, as I feel many commentators don't clarify. I try to do this often because I know we, we always say the media. Look, man, The Intercept has called out the establishment Democrats, Russiagate, all this nonsense, as much as they hate Donald Trump. I can respect that. I wish they didn't have TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome, but they do. CNN, this episode's gone missing. The show is unavailable. That's weird. I don't know what's going on. I can't make any accusations. But also the New York Times reporters trying to defend Biden. The media double standard is the problem I have that needs to be called out. Enough games. Be honest. So let's, uh, Rita said the complaint she filed was related to the harassment she said she faced and did not address the assault. The complaint was left with Biden's office. And if it still exists, is with Biden's papers at the University of Delaware. The school recently told reporter Rich McHugh that the papers are sealed until two years after Biden leaves public life. How convenient. The harassment read first in public with last year involves stroking her neck and running his fingers through her, the curls of her hair, as well as asking her to effectively serve as a cocktail righteous at an event. Now, I think it's fair to point out, maybe that was the, the extent to which she complained. Maybe they didn't take it seriously because it was 1993 and she was like, he's trying to tell me to be a cocktail righteous and, and he keeps touching my hair. And they're like, oh, get out of here. And maybe Natara Reed is exaggerating. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I can't uh, tell you whether or not Reed's lying. I can only show you the corroborating evidence, which does exist. All right. So they say Reed's assault allegation became public last month. Involves an interaction of 1993. We know this. I'm not going to read through it. He, she, she, she went to his office. He pinned her up against the wall. He said some nasty things, sir. They mentioned at the end, April 24th, 65 p.m., the piece has been updated to add video that surfaced of the caller on the Larry King show and reads confirmation. So I guess there it is. So, so look, I, I'm not going to play these 30-year-old allegation games. I don't care. We don't need this to, to stop Joe Biden. If you, I, I'm saying if you want to stop Joe Biden, you don't need this. The dude can't speak. But maybe this will help because a lot of people are concerned that Joe Biden is getting a free pass. Now that we're under lockdown, no one knows what's going on. No one's paying attention to Biden. Now there's some negative press. 
the big story, the big takeaway, the big question. Did CNN actually pull this episode to protect Joe Biden? And will CNN report on their own show corroborating the claims against him? I'm gonna go ahead and bet no. (laughs) They're not going to cover this and they did remove it. But that's just my opinion. I don't know for sure. I can say that I believe it's, uh, it's a fact that the media has been covering for Joe Biden. Absolutely. And they're going to keep doing it. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Did Donald Trump suggest ingesting household cleaners to combat the coronavirus? No, he didn't. It's insane that we're actually at this point. Now, Donald Trump is less than precise, and it seemed like he was spitballing in a press conference where he asked a question that seemed kind of stupid. Now, I think the question probably could have been phrased a whole lot better because the context makes it seem like Trump was asking, could you do some kind of injection or cleaning of a disinfectant? But you need to understand that, for one, you know, this one's tough because there's no such thing as a stupid question. If you got a question, you should ask it. But should the president understand these things? And I guess the issue is Donald Trump is not an expert. As it turns out, there actually are some treatments that involve using disinfectants inside the body. Does that mean Donald Trump was correct, suggesting, recommending? No. It means he asked a question. And on CNN, a doctor speaking with Anderson Cooper said, uh, you know, these are the kind of questions that patients often ask us. You know what I see here? I see Trump not really knowing what he's talking about, probably trying to just, you know, he's just rambling off the top of his head. It's not the worst thing in the world, and I don't really know why it's a big news story. But we see something, the left does this all the time to Trump. And I think it has more to do with tribalism than them being leftists. But they do this where they'll take the most extreme interpretation of what Donald Trump says. And they think they're smart. They think they know better. (laughs) Why would someone ever put a disinfectant in their body? (laughs) Not realizing that hydrogen peroxide is a disinfectant. And yes, it is used inside your body. Uh, Actually, your white blood cells use it. So there has been some articles in the past month about nebulized hydrogen peroxide. I don't want to get into the whole stupid debate about Trump. I definitely think Trump opened himself up for this, but I don't really understand who cares. Well, sure enough, now the fake news is trying to claim that people are ingesting household cleaners because of Donald Trump. Now, does the New York Daily News say it's because of him? No, but they're using a framing device because they want you to assume that. Take a look at this story from the Daily News, which I actually fell for. I tweeted about this. I tweeted the quote from George Carlin think about how stupid the average person is and realize half of them are stupider than that. Because I saw this headline and said, oh, there you go. Trump asked a question, you know, could, could we do this? And then sure enough, the press runs with it. The truth is, no, people are not ingesting chemicals because of Donald Trump. Now, to be completely fair, they don't actually say that. They say, at least in the headline, a spike in New Yorkers ingesting household cleaners following Trump's controversial coronavirus comments. It makes it seem like this is because of what Trump said. It's not. I'm not going to bury the lead for you. We can rant about this. But there's one simple reason why people may be ingesting chemicals more now than they were before. Could it be because everyone went out and bought hand sanitizer and disinfectants because we're in a pandemic? That's actually the reason. Let me show you the story and we'll, we'll, we'll break down how the, how the media manipulates and how this story comes out. This story is from the other day uh, at night. And they're trying to make it seem like it's Trump's fault. Take a look. 
They say an unusually high number of New Yorkers contacted city health authorities over fears that ingested bleach or other household cleaners in the last 18 hours that followed President Trump's bogus claim that injecting such products could cure coronavirus, the Daily News has learned. First stop. Trump's claim? Trump never claimed that? Somebody, so, so you know the thing about Donald Trump and what, what happens is somebody will say something to him. He won't even bother to think about the full context of what it means and then ask some offhanded Trumpian question where you're like, you really didn't understand what I was saying, did you? Somebody told Trump about probably UV light therapies and potentially nebulized hydrogen peroxide or ozone or, or one of these therapies. And Trump was like, huh, interesting. Now, in the full context of the speech, the guy said, we're trying alcohol, we're trying bleach. Then Trump asked, you know, I wonder if there's a way we could get that into the body, maybe through an injection. But later on in the conversation, a journalist asked, you're not suggesting, I mean, there's no circumstance where you could do that. Trump chimed in and said, no, no, we wouldn't inject bleach or alcohol. That's for cleaning surfaces. So it's clear that Trump just was kind of muttering. And in the full context, it's BS. Of course, you know this, the media is manipulating. The Poison Control Center a sub-agency of the city's health department, managed a total of 30 cases of possible exposure to disinfectants between 9 p.m. Thursday and 3 p.m. Friday. None of the people who reached out died or required hospitalization, which means they probably didn't ingest anything. Nothing happened. But compared to last year, the number of cases was w- worthy of a double take. According to data obtained by the news, the Poison Control Center only handled 13 similar cases in the same 18-hour period last year. Moreover, Out of the cases reported between Thursday and Friday, nine were specifically about possible exposure to Lysol. Ten were in regards to bleach and uh, and one about household cleaners in general, the spokesman said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. New York, NBC, NYC poison control calls for bleach, Lysol double after Trump disinfectant comment. What do you mean double? They're looking at the exposure. They're looking at the calls in the past year. Now, Donald Trump, came out after the fact. He was asked again. I was being sarcastic and I'm just like, oh, dude, just stop. (laughs) No, you're not. You asked a question. Don't be embarrassed. You asked the question. I'm fine with it. Can we move on? Trump then comes out and says, I was just asking a question sarcastically about the press to see how they would react. No, you weren't. Just, Just stop. You were not. Check this out. Here's another story. Calls to poison control spike in Maryland. Oh, but this doesn't say anything about Donald Trump, and it's on the 24th. I wonder why this is. Since the coronavirus outbreak, sales of cleaning supplies have spiked. In fact, Maryland calls for, uh, you know, these, these, these phone calls about exposure have doubled. Wait a minute. Could it be that when everyone rushed out to buy cleaners and sanitizer and disinfectants, they were increasing their exposure and the likelihood they would call for help? Why? Yes, that is the actual story. On the 23rd, okay, this story posted on the 23rd, around the same time, or likely before Donald Trump made any comments about this, this story from Science Alert came out. Accidental poisoning is on the rise in the U.S. as people try to sanitize their homes. There you have it. Fake news. But what, what happens when you Google search poison control? Calls are spiking. That's fine. Don't eat our countertops. After Trump, after Trump, after Trump, COVID briefing. Here you go. When they add after Trump COVID briefing, they're creating a false correlation. And here we have the story from Reason. Elizabeth Nolan Brown, no, poison control calls aren't suddenly spiking after Trump's disinfectant comments. You could add an after to anything to create a false correlation. It's what the media does. Let me give you one. Here's one. Calls for poison control suddenly spike after Tim Pool takes his van to Los Angeles. You'd, You'd look at that and you'd be like, 
I don't, I don't understand. How, how do those things relate? Well, when you recognize that they're completely unrelated events, you'd say, oh, the story is fake. But you take something that's peripherally, you know, in the news. Donald Trump asks a question about disinfectants. And yes, UV light arguably is a disinfectant. I guess you could call it that. But there are things like hydrogen peroxide that can be used well, technically in the bottom. I'm not a medical expert. I've seen some of the conversations. I'll be honest. It really does feel like a lot of Trump people are just trying to defend the guy. I think the question was just Trump's laziness and offhanded comments. And I don't really care about it. But anyway, I digress. The point is they add after Trump's comments, but then they look at data from a year ago. Never mind the fact that we're in a pandemic. So of course people are buying cleaner. Here's the story from reason. No, poison control calls aren't suddenly spiking after Trump's comments. Calls to U.S. poison control centers are up. They have been since March when they locked things down and everyone ran out to buy disinfectant and started using it more. This is why I can't stand the press, man. You know, there, there are some good journalists. I'm now seeing a lot of people actually cover the story about Joe Biden and Tara Reid and CNN. But I'll tell you what, you look at the New York Daily News, you look at NBC. This is these are false framing devices. They're not helping you understand the world. They're making it more confusing. They want to lead you to a conclusion so that you believe something that isn't true. And I can't stand it. You know, uh, I fell for this story earlier this morning because even I'm not immune to this stuff. When I first saw this story, I looked at it. I read like I skimmed it uh, very briefly and then I laughed and I posted the George Carlin quote thinking it was funny. How many people do that? I shouldn't have done it. I now added underneath it. It's the best thing I can do. Turns out it's fake news. They just want to make it seem like Trump did this. He didn't. He didn't recommend anything. They literally say he did. He didn't. Reason writes, on Thursday, the president suggested that perhaps an injection of disinfectant could help cure people of COVID-19. Critics of Donald Trump went to town, and rightfully so, while supporters scrambled to settle on a defense. Both he didn't really say that and he did it, but it was sarcasm having in play. Let me stop both of those things. In context, the, the, the reporter, uh, the, I'm sorry, the undersecretary Brian says we've tried isopropyl alcohol and we've tried bleach. Trump then asks about, wow, that disinfectant, you know, it's getting rid of it in under a minute. I wonder if there's a way we could, we could inject that, you know, do that inside the body, possibly injection. Yes, the context was about bleach. But if you want to be honest, you would say, I don't think Trump knew what he was talking about. If you want to be negative, you would say Trump clearly was suggesting this. And if you want to be pro-Trump, you could simply say Trump was talking about something like a disinfectant. He actually used the word like. He said, is there, is there something like that we could do in the body? There, in fact, is. So it's not the biggest deal in the world. Now, there's a lot of defenders. And I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to this tweet because we got David Pakman and Scott Adams. And I thought it was an interesting conversation. So I'm going to come at both of y'all and tell you what I think. So the reason clearly says Trump did do this. But look at this. Uh, the president suggested this is complete BS. This is what I can't stand. Language is powerful. Context matters. The president suggested that perhaps. Come on, man. The president asked a medical expert, could we do this? The context was bleach and alcohol. You can assume what the president really meant if you like him or you hate him. The, the, that, those are the facts. Trump asked this to say suggested, to say recommended, you are stepping out of bounds. He didn't do such a thing. He said, wow, that story's crazy. I, I wonder if there's something like that we could do. And you said you're going to test something like that. Interesting. That's not a, that's not a suggestion. Okay, okay, fine. You want to argue semantics, but you realize when someone reads the suggest the word suggest, they think Trump is saying, hey, maybe you should do this. Technically, you could say it's true. I just think it's unfair to imply that Trump asking a question 
meaning he doesn't know what the answer would be. It's silly to me. Anyway, let's read. They say, uh, by Saturday morning, social media was abuzz with articles about people calling poison control centers, each crafted to illustrate how Americans had apparently taken Trump's ramblings to heart. The problem? Articles shared as illustrations of this actually said no such thing. One article making the rounds from the New York Daily News is headlined, a spike, it's the one I showed you. But the article makes no mention of anyone deliberately consuming cleaners. It simply states that 30 people called the city's poison control hotline over fears they'd ingested bleach or other household cleaners. Fearing that you ingested something doesn't jibe with intentionally consuming a substance. The authors of the Daily News piece, Anna Sanders and Chris Sommerfeld, tried to circumvent this inconvenient fact by noting that over the same period in 2019, the Poison Control Center only handled 13, 13 similar cases. And while this time nine calls were about possible Lysol exposure, 10 about bleach, last year's calls contained no cases reported about Lysol exposure and two were specifically in regards to bleach. The paper doesn't pre- present any other data about calls to poison control for comparison, but one need do a detailed analysis to surmise why exposure might be up it, because we're in a pandemic. It's really that simple. People were, are, are not really doing this because of Trump, but let's do this. Let's join the Twitter flame war. Here we have De- uh, Scott Adams versus David Pakman. All right. Twitter flame wars are fun, but I think the reason this is interesting, and I don't normally use Twitter threads, is that we're seeing a discussion being, between Scott Adams, who's defending Trump, and David Pakman, who is, uh, I don't know the right words, I don't, I don't want to say he's attacking Trump, he's saying take the loss and move on. I think it's a good jumping off point to discuss what's happening with this silly cycle. Scott Adams tweeted, pro tip, if, you're, if you find yourself bleeding, but he literally said that, you are demonstrating that you don't understand how words work. Meaning requires context. It never matters what someone literally said. It only matters what they meant. Which context can help you discern? Scott is 100% correct in this. So there is something that happened to me a while ago where someone asked me about which, which news outlets I trusted. And in reference to a specific news story, I said, I wouldn't trust the New York Times. You know, I know blah, blah, blah. So I would trust this. I wasn't saying I never trust the New York Times. Someone asked me specifically about a single story that appeared in one outlet and another. And they said, which outlet do you trust in context of a single story? So you see how people can take these words and mix them up and mash them up. Now, I will say, I think Scott has gone pretty hard on trying to defend Trump over this. And I feel like the cycle's basically over. I don't know why even I'm being roped into this anymore. So David Pakman responds, Scott, I would take the loss on this one and move on. It's getting cringy. Scott's response is, is that because you believe Trump was recommending injections of Clorox and isopropyl alcohol? Please tell me you believe that. I want to see if I can say it in public. David's response was, no, he didn't recommend it. He idiotically wondered aloud about it in some, in the tone of his genius great ideas he believes himself to have and suggested that medical doctors look into it. You're using semantics to pretend there is no story, not about recommendation. The, the next person then says, no point arguing with this guy, David. He is the very definition of bad faith and dishonesty. And David said, I'm actually shocked. Y'all need to chill a little bit. First of all, David, I got to say, uh, at first I had a similar reaction thinking I said it was profoundly stupid of Trump to say this. And then a bunch of people sent me articles about actual nebulized disinfectants, notably H2O2. People also sent me UV light therapy, which literally exists. And I I wonder to myself, if UV light does disinfect and you do have the virus in your lungs and in your uh, throat, could you possibly like put a UV light in your throat? I'm an interesting question. When you look at the fact that there are potentially disinfectants in your body that you could do, 
Well, then I said, look, I, then I fall back on, you know what? It's wrong of me to imply it was a stupid question. I think in context, it really does come off like Trump saying like, wow, bleach and stuff. He does say like, though, look, I don't want to defend the president on this one. I think it was a silly, off the cuff, lazy comment. And that's what Trump often does. I don't care. No, he wasn't saying to recommend it. And David, David agrees with that. He's right. But to call it idiotically, you know what? I, I did the same thing. I thought it was profoundly stupid. Also, let's be fair. You prop it up. Not, not you, David, but, but they're propping up Joe Biden. <laughs> you know what, man? Trump may have a lot of problems, but Joe Biden's got substantially more. So in the end, uh, you know, look, in this conversation, you've got two people who are clearly at odds. But the problem we're seeing here, and I think David actually brings this up, is same movie, I'm sorry, uh, same screen, two different movies. I don't think David's ever going to see what Scott is seeing. And Scott doesn't understand why David can't understand what he's saying. Scott says, sounds like a problem. Sounds like the problem is that your news sources didn't tell you at the context that far UV light therapy in a ventilator type device is already patented and being tested for disinfecting the coronavirus. Read the transcript with that knowledge and see how it changes. When you read the transcript, it still doesn't come off that way. But it is obvious someone told Donald Trump about something. He fully didn't grasp what it was and then made some silly off the cuff comment that made him sound stupid. <laughs> come on, man. You know, I've, I've seen some people say that he pulled a Biden and I'm like, no, not really. Look, man, if Trump asks a dumb question, I say, personally, I think my president should know the answers to these. But Trump isn't a doctor. So I say, I don't know. I don't know them either. Trump recently asked if the flu vaccine could be used uh, in any way to help against the coronavirus. And they, and they said no. And he went, OK. And that was it. And then all of a sudden the media runs wild saying Trump asked a dumb question. Why would the flu virus work against the coronavirus? And it's like, well, why should Trump know that? More importantly, flu vaccines do have peripheral uh, partial immunity to uh, uh, other strains. So if you get a flu shot, my, as I saying, I could be wrong about this. I am not a doctor. Is that different strains of the flu might be inhibited by a different flu shot, in which case tr you, you, the, the full context could have been something like this. So I, I've, I've, I've been told this. I don't know if it's true that if you get a flu shot, it might actually protect you from other strains of the flu because of their similarities. I don't know anything about the flu virus. Is the coronavirus at all simple? Would like, would that work in the same way? And they say, no, it actually wouldn't. Oh, I didn't know that. But they, they're so desperate to seem like they're smarter than Trump. They're smarter than everyone else. And I'll tell you what, man, I know a lot of people or there are a lot of people in public who seem to be very dumb, maybe lack tact or social skills, and then end up being extremely successful. The reality is Donald Trump is, he's very smart in a lot of different ways. And they don't want to acknowledge this. The man is not stupid. He, he, he clearly became successful. But there's different kinds of being smart. Trump doesn't seem, well, you know, a lot of people want to, want to say that Trump is playing 4D chess. I don't necessarily uh, subscribe to that belief. But I do think Donald Trump knows a lot about certain things and is clever in many ways. He's also smart enough to surround himself with good people who are smart and can help him. But Trump also just speaks off the cuff. A lot of people like it. He ends up saying things like this. So you know what? Let me let me let me just show you the last thread. We'll wrap this up because this went nuts. And it ended with Scott really going after David Pakman saying you're an a-hole. You know me well enough to know I often criticize the president. And this is because David Pakman said, I just know when a conversation is no longer worth having with a bad faith actor. That's the only reason I'm not responding. Like I said, 10 minutes ago. I had a convert. Remember that uh, moment where the woman tried taking the microphone from Jim Acosta and then he like pushed her hand down. No one could agree on, on what happened and there's nothing you can do about it. 
we're being bogged down by semantics. Scott is correct about context, and I think David and many others are being unfair when they say the question was idiotic. I guess you, you're, but you're, it's, it's an opinion. You know what? Trump shouldn't have come out and tried lying, saying he was being sarcastic. That was stupid. And I really do think you got to take a loss on this one. It To the average person, it sounds dumb. It really, really does. But the reality is, and the truth is, Trump does this often. It's not news to me. I don't, I don't know why it's become a news cycle. And more importantly, this will keep happening. You will never agree because the definition of words are, you know, it's, it's semantics. It's what you think the word suggested means. I try to be very precise. I think Scott Adams does as well. And the reason is Trump did not suggest it. To imply suggestion when someone reads that word, would they, they imagine their head Trump saying, why don't you guys do this? You know, how, how about you do this? You could arguably say he suggested it, but I don't think it's fair because it implies he wanted it done instead of him saying, maybe you could and you could test that, right? And then later on saying, no, you wouldn't inject those things. It'd be used for cleaner. That's why, although I think Trump broached a very stupid idea, there's actually some basis to the question. So it's not fair to call it a stupid question, in my opinion. Although I think this one's a doozy. It's another one of these, you know, black and blue, white and gold, stupid situations. That's why I don't care. It's not a policy position. It's Trump asking a question. I don't like the question. I think it was stupid context. And we move on from it. But no, to finish this off with the stupidest segment I've ever done, people are not ingesting chemicals because Trump asked the question. It's fake news. Carry on. I will see you at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. I, I hope you enjoyed having your time. Well, I don't want to say I wasted your time, but that's the joke. Fine. I'm done. I'll see you later. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump has absolutely crossed the line. As a journalist myself, we cannot stand for this. His constant attacks on the free press must be stopped. I can't believe I am shaking reading this. Caitlin Collins, the poor thing, writes, Tonight, the White House tried to have me and only me swap seats with another reporter several rows back. We both refused to move from our seats that we that were assigned well in advance. The briefing was short. The president took no questions and it proceeded as planned. How dare Donald Trump try to move Caitlin Collins and only Caitlin Collins to make Caitlin Collins and only Caitlin Collins swap seats with another reporter? Yeah, okay. Let's 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 drop it. CNN, are you kidding with this? Thirteen thousand nine hundred and forty-three tweets. Who's retweeting this? Are you people nuts? This is not news. Who cares? First of all, I think you may have gotten the point I was trying to drill into your skull. He did not make only her try to swap seats. What do you mean? There's another reporter he's trying to swap you with. He tried to make both of you move. Could it be that maybe he wanted the person in the back to come up to the front because he liked them better? Who was this other reporter? CNN, I feel so bad for you. So I, I tweeted about it. I said, whoa, is this real? Trump has really crossed the line this time. How can we have a free press if they have to switch seats? The free press in the US is in serious danger. Some people didn't get the joke and everybody laughed. But I tell you what, let's pop on over to CNN.com to see what's on the front page. All right. So we got uh, how a media distracted Trump ended up derailing his own briefing. Well, that's the big story. Who says no evidence shows that having coronavirus prevents a second infection? Yikes. Now that's scary. Worldwide coronavirus death toll passes 200,000. Okay. That's nothing to joke about. That's getting scary. Ah, here we are. White House official tries to move CNN reporter at briefing. 
Thank you, CNN, for writing about yourselves. This is what they do. CNN has become the worst of performative trash. Listen, you want to criticize me because I have, you know, I, I maybe I sensationalize things. Maybe my titles are too, the bold letters and all that stuff. You say, Tim, you are doing the same thing. Oh, harumph, people say to me. They say, you're playing the same game. I know we're all playing the same game. I'll tell you what my feelings are. My feelings are genuine. I'll give you my opinion. And as I always say, I'm just one dude complaining on the internet. You don't got to watch. That's what I do. CNN, on the other hand, is a major news net. Well, I shouldn't call them that anymore, but they, they try to be CNN. They claim their news. Now, listen, if all they did was give their opinion, I have no problem with that. If Brian Stelter wants to go on his show and say, I don't like the orange man. If Don Lemon wants to go, oh, well, what's wrong with these orange people? That's fine. I don't care. But if you're going to go to news events and write about yourselves, that is something well beyond what I do. You see, I don't do videos, maybe like 99.9% uh, .9 of the videos I've done. There have been like one Point, uh, out, of, out of all the videos I've done, there's been like point one that have been about me. Like when they're going to quarantine me. I did a video about myself. I typically do not. But these are more like, hey, you guys follow me. Let me give you an update on what I'm working on. CNN shouldn't be doing this. But it all started, well, I don't want to say where it started. But it became much more prominent with Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, what he did worked. He stood up. He made the story about him. CNN got press and attention, and it catered to the whims, opinions, and confirmation bias of their viewers. You want to know what should be front and center? CNN's this story. Biden's accuser says mother called into Larry King Live in 1993 for advice after alleged assault. And sure enough, they did actually write about this. Now, they got scooped. Let me, let me tell you, the CNN is so awful, so bad at what they do. They got scooped on their own breaking story from 20, 30 years ago. Larry King Live, August 11th, 1993. A woman called in, asked some questions about how to, you know, what do you do when you got a prominent senator, blah, blah, blah. And they went on to talk about powerful, dangerous people. CNN was sitting on this. Now, here's the crazy thing. When the accusations were made and Tara Reid, the accuser, had stated to, I believe, the podcast host who interviewed her that her mother had called in. Maybe CNN didn't know. Maybe they didn't want to know. I don't know. But they were sitting on this archive of footage. And the strange thing is, strange thing, if you, if you see my other segment from earlier today, you go to Google Play and that one day is missing. Wednesday, pulled right out. CNN is so bad at what they do. They got scooped on their own interview. And it's not, not just something they did recently. It's something they've been sitting on for 30 years. For 30 years, they had this. Now I know. It wasn't until the accusations that probably could have put two and two together. But why did it take The Intercept? Why did it take Politico and these other reporters to investigate what CNN should have done a long time ago? I'll tell you why. CNN is not interested in doing news. And you know what? I'm going to ask you, you know, I, I normally don't do that in these videos, but please share this video because there are a lot of people who might think CNN is real. Maybe the first thing they'll see with this woman complaining that someone's going to switch your seat, they'll be like, wait, what? That's not news. Who cares if the president asked you to move and he didn't call anybody anyway. So who, what, what is this? Performative fake news. You know, Brian Stelter recently said, we must, as journalists, channel the rage of the, of the people. Yeah, that's him basically saying, please give me an excuse to do opinionated rage bait and pretend to be a journalist. Congratulations, Brian and Oliver, Oliver Darcy. You guys are officially now fake reality TV stars. I hope you're proud. Look, you want to have your opinions? I don't care. It's fine. But you got to have some balance. See, when, when, uh, when Brett Kavanaugh 
got accused. I came out and I talked about it. When Joe Biden got accused, I came out and I talked about it. And you know what I said? I said the exact same things. I don't like 30-year-old allegations. I'm not keen on believing this. Give me the evidence or I'm not going to believe it. I also said it was very convenient this Tara Reid accuser was a Bernie supporter. Why? It's called principle. It's called taking factual information and then presenting an opinion with, uh, with, with a moderate education on the facts. I don't know everything, but I know that if you want to bring up all these, all these allegations against Kavanaugh, I'm going to hold them to the same standard as I do Biden. But I will point out, these, the, the Biden standards are the one they asked for. Now, here's, here's what CNN and the New York Times have done. They went nuts on reporting all this fake news about Kavanaugh, and they do nothing on Tara Reid. To make things worse, you want to talk about bias? Fine, you can be biased. But let's talk about the problem with CNN. Fake news to the upteenth degree. Performative reality TV. I bring you now, cyclist who criticized Chris Cuomo for not self-quarantining out, quarantining outside his Hamptons home on Eastern Sunday, says CNN host looked like a boiling pot and kept advancing at him during a heated row. David Wellen claimed that he decided to go on a bike ride near where Cuomo is building his new home because he grew up in the area. Here you have Chris Cuomo. Okay, so this guy who actually witnessed Cuomo breaking quarantine went on Tucker Carlson's show. Not a public speaker kind of guy, but he told his story. And you know what? Corroboration. They even showed the audio clip from Chris, Chris Cuomo saying, I don't want this guy in a fat but to come up to me. I'm getting all angry about it. Corroborating what this man said. Where was Chris Cuomo that someone walked up to him? And why hasn't CNN addressed the fact that they're fake news? It's really funny. You know, Donald Trump calls the press the enemy of the people in the fake news. So CNN decided to, uh, to roll with it. They, they decided to become fake news. Now I'll tell you what, man. I've defended CNN in the past. I absolutely have. I said that their cable channel is pretty bad. Their website tends to be okay. But from the top down, the whole thing is rotten. You've actually got them publishing this story. White House official tries to move CNN reporter at briefing. CNN's Jim Acosta discusses why President Trump ended the coronavirus briefing without taking questions and how a White House official tried to move a CNN reporter to the back of the room. This is not news. I don't care about you or your seating arrangements. I wonder what the president has to say about what's going on with the virus. And I don't care if he's saying good things or bad things. Maybe the guy's a moron. I don't care. It's not about you. And they make it about themselves. Look, man, I'll tell you what. You won't, you won't see me doing videos like, you know, Tim Pool talks about, you know, his, his, his fight with a CNN reporter. I sometimes do like political opinion segments, right? I rarely do them. I did one the other day where I talked about my personal opinion and how people responded to me when I was, when I, when I did a segment, those are rare, but honestly, you know, I do, I do an opinion commentary thing, commenting on this news. And if sometimes I talk about myself, that's fine. And the same thing is true for, for CNN. If periodically there's some news event and they want to talk about themselves, I also think it's kind of fun, but there's a limit. CNN, as we know, is now desperate. They're getting propped up by YouTube, so they're getting hundreds of millions of views they should not be getting because nobody watches this trash. CNN apparently pays so they can be in airports. That's what we call it the airport news network. Hotel lobbies. Well, they figured out a way. You see, early, uh, early in the past decade, CNN was experimenting with travel verite. That's like, if you're familiar with Vice documentaries, it's where people like, you know, walk around, look at the camera, and they'll be like, so right now I'm on the ground in this place. They had like Reza Aslan eat human brain. He really did. They had like, you know, Anthony Bourdain and other shows. And it seems like they knew live news wasn't working because we're in the age of the internet. They tried to pivot. 
Well, that didn't work either. Nobody wanted to watch their garbage shows where some dude, Reza Aslan, literally eats human meat. I'm not interested in watching a cannibal on TV, dude. Trying to be edgy, not going to work. Not only that, a lot of these companies were duped. They thought Vice was more popular than it really was. So now they're taking the next approach. They're going to complain about their seating arrangement. Wow. Talk about the bottom of the barrel. You know what I love saying? Caitlin Collins is scraping the bottom of the barrel so hard, she's pulling up wood chips. There's nothing left, dude. You're complaining about Trump asking you to change seats? I'm impressed. Now, I will point out the absurdity of me having to comment on this. It's not news, and I should have to talk about it. But listen, it's not about the one story. It's about the three. It's about CNN being late to their own coverage. Their news division has collapsed. Come on, man. If the intercept is scooping you on your own story, you've, you've, you've really lost it. And if the best thing you can muster up is staging some fake event with Chris Cuomo that everybody knew was staged and having one of your reporters complain about her seat, you know what, man? Trump and the White House need to throw her out and take her badge away. I'm not even kidding. We need to have something where the journalists who actually want to ask real questions and they're there, tell these people to shut the up. Shut up. Get out. The last thing we need is for you to be like, why do I have to change my seats? Let me tweet about it. Dear diary. Trump made me change seats. That's CNN. Dear diary network. Orange man is bad. It's only going to get worse. And, and, and it's not just CNN. All right, we got some problems with the New York Times and other outlets, but, but CNN, I tell you what, CNN, CNN is just, wow, have they really gone down the drain. For shame, Anderson Cooper. He used to do a good job. But they become so desperate that this is what Anderson, why are you talking to Jim about a seat change? Are you nuts? I'm, I, you know what, man? You guys deserve it. You deserve what comes. Your network's going to collapse. Y'all are going to lose your jobs. Or, or you know what? Maybe this is what they're resisting. They just don't want to lose their jobs. Maybe they should. I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I will see you shortly. We're starting to see more food riots erupt in other parts of the world, notably in particularly, particularly vulnerable countries like South Africa and Venezuela. When it happened in Sicily, this was because a boat couldn't bring the food in. But because of the extended lockdowns and the, well, the shuttering of the global economy, I mean, how else do you describe it? Countries don't have food anymore. And what do you think people do when they don't have food? Do you think they just lie down and say, well, no food for me? No, they go and they take what they can. So now we're seeing this story. Riots erupt in Venezuela's, Venezuela's countryside over food and fuel scarcity. There's more. Trucks delivering food parcels ambushed and looted in Bantahuel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. South Africa. I believe it's South Africa. We got a couple, other, couple more stories. Lockdown triggers unrest in South Africa. And there is a, vid- a video that is rather shocking. Now, I can't confirm this video for those that are watching. It's just a bunch of trucks with food dumped out and hordes of people running in to try and take what they can. They say it's in South Africa again. I'm not entirely sure, but this video has emerged around a similar time when the story came out that trucks were being looted and, uh, uh, and vandalized. You want to know what true dis- uh, desperation and poverty looks like? Take a look at this video. Now, regardless of whether or not I can confirm the location of this, this kind of stuff happens in real life. Let's, um, let's say we get to the point where there's no food. The trucks get looted and people run full speed to fight for what they can. Look at this. People running. They're desperate people. I don't blame them. I certainly want to li- I wouldn't want to live that way. In Venezuela, Bloomberg reports, dozens of Venezuelans clashed with police forces in the countryside of southern Bolivar state on Thursday. The incident was the latest of at least 500 protests registered in April as food and fuel become scarce in Venezuela. Despite the six-week lockdown ordered by the government of Nicolas Maduro, 
Nicolas Maduro, in response to the coronavirus, protests in demand of food have taken place in 15 states in April, with looting and violence in three of them. According to the Venezuelan Observatory of Social Conflict, the protest has not yet, yet reached Caracas. There's a lot of people who don't seem to understand what happens when the economy is shut down. So I'm going to give you one more freebie, Blue Hats. You see on Twitter, there are people who put Blue Hat icons in their Twitter account, and that shows that they are fans of Andrew Yang and potentially universal basic income. When I tweeted that there would not be food when the, with the economy shut down, many of them made nonsensical points about like, oh, but the food is still there. We just need the money to, to transfer and the government stimulus can do it. And the point I made was we have forced the economy to shut down. Eventually, businesses go under. Eventually, the dairy farms will as well. So many of the restaurants that have been closed due to the forced shutdown of the economy will never reopen. Many of them have made announcements saying we are now permanently closed. The same will be true for these dairy farms if they don't get some kind of relief. Unfortunately, you can't just print money to solve the problem. Money isn't food. Even these dairy farms will need to be able to buy processed food or hay, alfalfa, whatever it is they feed their cows. Will the supply chain exist if we force it to shut down? The answer is potentially no. I'm not a farmer. I'm not the expert. I don't know for sure, but I do know that many of the processing plants that normally take the food in to prepare it no longer exist. Or they're, or I'm sorry, they, they're shut down and they can't take in or give out. We could end up like this. this. This photo of people fighting and demanding food. It's how you get revolutions. They say in, in, the, in the protest in Bolivar, one man died. Several were injured and 33 were arrested following the looting of a municipal market and neighboring shops near the town of Upata. In a separate incident, dozens of residents in the eastern town of Kumanakoa forced their way into five food retailers and a chicken farm on Wednesday. Two people were shot and 32 were arrested, according to local lawmaker Robert Al Al Alcala. Similar situations were reported in Lara, Yaracuy, and Bolivar states the week prior, resulting in armed forces quashing discontent and detaining protesters, the local media reported. Other Venezuelans across the country are leaving their homes for food runs, dodging protests, stocking up and hunkering down isn't an option for many people who are too poor to buy enough food in advance. Vast gasoline shortages are taking a toll on the already fragile supply chains, disrupting food deliveries and public transportation everywhere. The situation is likely to continue. There are few signs of long-term relief for local refineries. In the meantime, crops in rural states have gone to waste as farmers are unable to collect fruit and grains on empty tanks. The collapse is real. It could very well hit us the same as it hits everyone else. Venezuela's big problem is governmental mismanagement. So I don't know if it's fair to say we would ever end up in the exact same position as them. It is fair to say that they thought they could solve their problems by printing money. When that didn't work, they changed the name of their money and issued a new currency, and that didn't work either. Simply telling people this has value doesn't give it value. If there is nothing to do with it, there's no value. Here's, here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. You see, money is the, is the confidence in the system to acquire goods. If I told you, maybe, maybe you saw the video I did on this the other day, and, and we'll, we'll jump over to the, uh, the, the food attacks. I believe this is in uh, South, uh, South Africa. If I told you that I was going to give you a million Tim bucks, you'd be like, I don't care. I can't buy anything with that. But what if you could? What if you could go to a local store and use Tim bucks and you could buy bread with it? Well, then it'd be worth the value of the bread and arguably not particularly valuable, but still valuable enough to buy bread, right? 
If the U.S. dollar can't be used for anything, then there's no economy and printing money does nothing. Two trucks loaded with food parcels for vulnerable communities were stoned and robbed in Cape Town's Banta Huewal in what appears to be orchestrated heists. Desperation and hunger in the time of COVID-19 has seen looting from shops and liquor stores, and now trucks transporting food have been targeted by criminals. A checker's delivery truck, as well as another vehicle. So that was the video we saw, the checker's vehicle, were ambushed in Robert Sobukwe Drive, Cape Town on Tuesday, uh, 20th April. A driver and an assistant in one of the trucks were injured. The vehicle has been brought to a stop by barricades planted across Robert Sobukwe Drive and once halted were pelted with stones. Witnesses said a crowd gathered and stormed the truck, tearing open the doors and flinging out the food parcels. The second heist took, a pl- took place an hour after the first. Some Bantahuewo residents blamed criminal elements for the heists, claiming that some of the food had been sold for drug money. Concerned residents expressed fears that the incidents could have a ripple effect and hamper the delivery of food parcels to communities. Residents reported that a truck transporting fish oil had been ambushed the previous week. And there you have it. When people start ambushing these trucks, stealing the food from them, the deliveries stop coming and then there's no food, even if the food is grown and supplied. What people don't understand about economic shutdown is it's not just about if there is food. Mostly it is. If the food don't exist, you can't buy it. Now, this is South Africa and Venezuela, and many people are probably shaking their heads saying, yeah, but we're America. That could never happen to us. But it absolutely could happen to us and it could happen to you. That's why we need to figure this thing out. Perhaps we need to open the economy. That's been my stance. I don't know what, you know, maybe this virus is way worse than we realize. We've got numerous studies coming out. Now, I believe four saying the mortality rate is very, very low, in which case maybe we have no choice. Otherwise, we will eventually come to this point where people are throwing stones, looting these trucks. So they they mentioned the checkers truck. I want you to look at this photo, this, this, this video. It says on the side of the truck, let me see if I can get to play. It says checkers. What, what, what else did it say? Let me see if I can uh, start it back up again. Green, greener and better. What does it say? Eco, eco health trucks, hard to read. E- Eco-friendly truck. People don't care. They don't care about your, your causes, your environmentalism. They care about not dying. That means if they have to take it, they will. Now think about the people who bought this food and where it was supposed to go. It's disrupting the economy in more than one ways, more, more than one way. Perhaps that food was supposed to be delivered to a town. A lot of people don't get this. They were, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Big Short, but afterwards, it's, The Big Short is about the people who made a bunch of money off the economic collapse in 2008. And they said that one of the guys involved started placing hard bets on water, saying water will become extremely valuable. But what you need to invest in is the transportation of water, which is typically done through produce and food, because food typically has some water content in it. When you grow a crop in California, and then ship it off to a desert in, you know, wherever. When people eat that, that water comes out of their bodies in various ways and enters that part of the world. We're actually reclaiming deserts by moving food there. Think about what will happen now when supply chains get disrupted. Redesertification. Some areas that were once lush or for, long, for a long time because of human uh, actions were having, you know, uh, were sustainable, become unsustainable. And we start seeing dry pockets. Communities that have money that could afford the food don't get it now. So now it's not just the poor communities, but the rich communities don't have food either. When the food trucks get attacked and they stop coming, now nobody has food. Then you're going to find drivers who are going to say the money isn't good enough. I can't do anything with it. What are they going to do then? Start guaranteeing food to people? 
I guess that's what they do in Venezuela. They tell the Venezuelan people, you serve in the army, we'll make sure you're fed. Not even everyone. I don't even know that's true. That's what I've heard. And maybe that's what will happen. And then you will see you will see you will see people doing whatever they have to do to eat. So the government will say, take this uniform, take this weapon, violate their rights. What do you think a starving person's going to do? They're going to say, I'm sorry, bang. And they're going to do what they have to do because they need food. When it comes down to survival, people are going to become as cutthroat as they can. You're going to see more videos like this. Mark my words. Now, unless we start reopening things and we are seeing a lot of states enter phase one, then maybe it won't happen. But I'm worried that I'm worried it, 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 it will. I don't know how, how likely it is. And I want to I want to make sure I stress it's Venezuela and South Africa. Maybe we're a long ways off for this. Maybe we'll be the last ones to experience it. I mean, Americans are overweight as it is. But it, we, we, the, you have to understand that true poverty is beyond what anyone in America you know, really recognizes. They say, oh, but there are poor people in this in this in this country. You want to know something? A homeless person in the United States can get access to clean water. They can. They can walk into a McDonald's, go in the bathroom, and they can drink clean water. Now, I'm not saying it's good that they're homeless and desperate. I'm just saying these people, they don't get clean water. I've been to places. I've seen some things. And I'll tell you what, if you think it can't get bad, you are wrong. And if you think you know what bad is, you are wrong. Until you go to one of these places and actually witness it. Or I guess you can watch the videos. Hopefully it doesn't, uh, doesn't happen that way in the U.S., but I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Kim Jong-un is dead, says TMZ after a botched heart surgery. I do not believe TMZ is the bastion of truth or good reporting. No disrespect, TMZ. You're a celebrity gossip site, and I think it's very important we, we trust our sources on this one. But nonetheless, TMZ is a well-known outlet, and they are reporting this, and they are staking their name on this. And regardless of whether or not you trust them or don't, many people are going to believe that the story is real, because it's not just about TMZ's reporting. Reuters reported that China sent a team of doctors into North Korea. Now, there's a couple arguments. Some people are saying Kim Jong-un is in a vegetative state. Some are saying he's dead. No one really knows. One good argument I heard, it was from Michael Malice. You may know him on Twitter. He said, maybe, I think, I think it was Michael said this, that maybe he's just hiding because of COVID-19. It's also possible that being a morbidly obese drinker and smoker or whatever as he does, he's extremely vulnerable to COVID and maybe he died. Well, let's read what TMZ has to say. They report North Korea's supreme leader, dictator Kim Jong-un has reportedly died or is on his deathbed with no hope of recuperation, according to media outlets in China and Japan. Amid reports, China has sent a medical team to their communist neighbors this week to check in, advise on Kim, a Hong Kong-backed news channel's vice director, who's apparently, excuse me, the niece of a Chinese foreign minister, blasted out the news herself. He's dead. The woman put the report on social media app called Weibo for her nearly 15 million followers to read, citing a very solid source about the claim Kim had in fact perished. A Japanese magazine reports he's in a vegetative state after a heart surgery gone wrong. The outlet reports citing a Chinese medical expert privy to the situation that Kim had clutched his chest in early April and fell down while visiting the countryside there. He needed a stent procedure done, but apparently it either wasn't done rapidly enough or it was botched completely by the surgeon, with some reports saying he had shaky hands. Let me ask you something. You're a heart surgeon. The Supreme Leader says, fix my heart. And one of his goons points a gun at you. I'd be willing to bet you have shaky hands and congratulations. If this is true, you done killed yourself, Kim. 
When you rule people with an iron fist, don't be surprised when no one respects you, no one wants to or even can save you. That's the problem with an authoritarian garbage country. And it's, a, it's, and it's a shame, too. And you know what? I think I'm allowed to say it because I have family literally from an area that is now North Korea, and I don't like what has become of, of the peninsula. I would like to see, personally, for my family history's sake, I would like to visit the town where my family came from. I can't. Well, I'm not going to get into all that. Let's just talk about how trashy this country is, and we'll talk about the problems of Kim Jong-un. Actually, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. North Korea is a very beautiful country, ruled by despots and cultists, and that's horrifying. And I would love to see South Korea finally, the, the, the Korea, unification of some sort. South Korea is amazing. I've been to South Korea. Very, very amazing country. Prosperous, intelligent, some of the smartest people in the world making some of the coolest gadgets. North Korea is, a, is an impoverished, starving despotism. There's lots of rumors swirling about the guy's condition. And the fact is, he hasn't made a major public appearance looking to be okay in several weeks now. About a week, ago, a week or so ago, CNN reported Kim was in grave danger after a medical procedure. President Trump has downplayed the reports and has refused to elaborate. But it looks like Kim Jong-un's sister, Kim, Kim Yo-jong, might be getting ready, uh, getting set up to possibly replace him as supreme leader. Reports say she was recently re-promoted to a prominent position of power there. Here's another point. Saturday marks a major military anniversary in North Korea, where they celebrate the founding of the Korea's People's Army in 1932, something they hype annually with a parade, and one in which Kim might normally make an appearance. Normally, I think you'd, you'd have to. International reporters on the ground say if Kim was doing all right and not on death's doorstep, he and his team would figure out a way for him to show up and squash the rumors. If he doesn't, it's probably not a good sign, almost all but confirming something is wrong. China. A delegation of doctors have been sent, have been dispatched to North Korea. This comes amid rumors of the North Koreans, uh, uh, his poor health. Japanese media outlet claims Jong-un is in a vegetative state. On Thursday, Trump downplayed this. So this is from Daily Mail, basically elaborating on what TMZ has said. NewsGuard considers Daily Mail to be credible. I'm not saying Daily Mail is the best outlet ever, but this speculation has been running rampant. You know what? Let's talk about Korea. My first and my biggest concern is that the death of Kim Jong-un could result in a massive international conflict. This could create panic. South Korea, I doubt, would take advantage of this in any militaristic way. But North Korea will spiral out of control. It could potentially spiral out of control. If his sister takes over, I don't think we will see a complete and total collapse. But there is a possibility of, of instability in the region, and that would be bad for everybody. It could quickly start roping in, it could, you know, immediately rope in South Korea neighboring uh, Southeast Asian states, the United States, China, Russia, and there we go. Now is not the time for a Southeast Asian destabilization, especially with U.S. warships entering the South China Sea. This does not look particularly good. But I got to say that when it comes to Korea, for too long, they have been living in this, this, this horrifying despotism. It's the easy way to put it. Kim Jong-un, the supreme leader, the weird cult behind him. And we've been trying, I say we, but, you know, uh, freedom lovers, freedom fighters have been trying to break the cult that he has over these people. Now, I will tell you one thing. Climate activists, they, sure, they, they should certainly love this place. The country is beautifully untouched. Back in, I think it was 2013, I went to New Zealand to meet with Kim Jong-un. I'm, I'm sorry. Kim.com, not Kim Jong-un, Kim.com, different guy. Kim, don't get mad at me. Uh, to me with Kim.com, who is this crazy internet entrepreneur guy, you know, big, powerful media mogul, and they had the government going after him. But I also met with this guy named Gareth Morgan and his wife. 
they had taken a motorcycle trip through North Korea and the DMZ. And we got to see the footage. And they showed us how pretty the country was. Or I, I shouldn't necessarily say the country because Korea is the country. They're just split consist, you know, in, in war as it stands. And it, it's, it's, it's sad. The potential of, of the people there, the potential of, of the, the, their, their country, what they could be if they weren't living under this ridiculous system. So what I was told was that you can't take your cow for meat because everything belongs to everybody. So I was told that by the, these people, went, they went through the, the country and they met these people. They said that, say, if like a cow dies, then you can't eat it. So what happens is the guards, the military part of the government will lie and pretend, oh, no, it went bad or I got sick because the animal should be, uh, you know, diced up, sent to the to the government who then breaks it up and distributes it evenly for all of the peoples. This kind of insane government doesn't work. So I, I guess part of me, I, I would never say I'm hoping for someone to die, but you know where I'm going with this. Kim Jong-un does need to be removed from power. North Korea does need to be, I, I guess, opened up to normalized relations. I don't know if Kim Jong-un is necessarily the problem. The guys from Vice, uh, Shane Smith, you know, they, they, uh, Vice went to North Korea. It was this whole thing. I think they went more than once. And it became this huge, you know, scandal. They brought Dennis Rodman. But my understanding from the CEO of Vice was that he said Kim Jong-un is more Western than people realize. I think he was educated in Europe, in which case it's a real opportunity to talk to this guy and try and open things up. I don't know if it's possible to fix, you know, what's going on. And I'm, I'm certainly not an expert on North Korean relations. But you see what happens to people who go there. You had Otto Warmbier. You have people who, who get locked up and accused of being spies. I don't know why anybody would want to go there. I've been to South Korea, though, and I can tell you it's, it's, it's amazing. Because of the problems with North Korea, though, it negatively impacts the entirety of the region. When I look at South Korea and I see, you know, the, the prosperity of Samsung, it's a, it's a major company there, and the, their gamers and the technology they've, they, they've developed, I wonder what could have been for the rest of the, of the Korean people. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's a shame, I suppose. I guess the bigger concern then comes to international conflict. I guess if uh, his sister takes over, we're not really going to see anything. And maybe it's just a 36-year-old overweight smoker had a heart attack and died. And that's the end of it. Or perhaps the military council takes over the people around Kim Jong-un. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about the guy, and I don't want to pretend like I do. But some of the things I've heard make it seem like maybe he's just a glutton, that he keeps everything locked down because it's his wealth. He's the leader. It's his country. He's, he's living like a king while his people suffer. If he opened things up, he'd be then put under pressure by foreign influence. They'd probably take him out of power and nobody wants to give it up. I'd be willing to bet, you know, as I've seen from so many people, someone like Kim Jong-un would say, it's better with me in charge. That's what everyone thinks. They think that if they're the king, if they're, if they're the leader, if they're on the board, whatever, they can do better. And that giving up power means some evil person would take over. I mean, the U.S. government certain, certainly thinks so when, when it comes to foreign policy. But maybe decentralization and allowing other influences, both good and bad, is the right way to go. Because then the bad influences go away and the good influences can take over, hopefully. But also you can bring prosperity to your people. They can eat food finally. I don't know. Don't ask me. I, 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 I personally would like to see North Korea, just like South Korea, take over the whole thing. But maybe that's naive because I don't know enough about it. But I know that there are a few places I got to go to, which are, you know, related to my historical ancestry because my, my you know, family going back a couple generations came from other countries. I've gotten to visit certain countries in Europe. 
and I've got to visit uh, certain other countries like South Korea. But my uh, a great grandparent, my family came from the north, which I would never get to see. And I'm interested in that stuff. I'm not going to pretend like I have some deep emotional connection and I'm angry that I'll never get to see it, but I'd like to. And that means we need normalized diplomatic relations. North Korea can do its thing, I suppose. We'll see how it plays out. I guess I can say on a human level, I hope the guy's okay. On a political level, I would like to see someone else take over and hopefully things can improve in the region. I'm not the smartest person in the world, so I guess we'll figure it out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. I'll see you then.